Welcome to the great work of your life. Making a commitment to becoming who you are meant to be requires taking risks. We make this commitment without any guarantee that we'll succeed, without any promise that we'll benefit from our efforts. This is what it means to have faith. My name is Rev. Ian White Marr, and this sermon is part of a series called What Would You Rather Be Wrong About? This is a very important question when we consider the choices we make because we're going to make mistakes. But if mistakes are going to be made, I want to wake up in the morning knowing that the choices I made tried to bring more love into the world, even if it didn't work out, even if I was wrong. After you listen, we invite you to go online at community.mvuc.org to share your insights and meet other spiritual seekers like you who are devoted to building a wiser, more nurturing world. You will also find a variety of resources designed to help you lean into your life's purpose. Join us at community.mvuc.org. So this is an interactive service today, so hopefully everyone got a little square piece of paper, or not, I guess it's not square, it's a rectangle. Every, okay, great. Does anybody not have one of these? Okay. Uh, can the usher, oh, and the choir doesn't have any. Oh, they, these people need it the most. Um, no, you guys are great. Uh, l- let's hand out some of these uh, to folks who need them. And you'll need a little piece of paper to write on, a little something to write with. If you don't have that, we've got some, some pens as well. But while those are being uh, handed out, I'll just sort of start to set us up for this, this activity. Uh, and it begins with a, a passage from the Bhagavad Gita, right? It's the Bhagavad Gita is one of the great spiritual texts of Hinduism. And, and what's really happening in this text is it's, a, it's essentially a conversation, that's taking place between a warrior named Arjuna and his charioteer, who's actually the god Krishna, which, you know, how handy to have your charioteer also be a god. And the plot's a familiar one if you've ever dealt with any uh, sort of mythic tales. It revolves around a battle over who's the rightful heir to a kingdom. And Arjuna, the, the protagonist of the story, is looking out over the battlefield because they're just about to get started, right? And, and the, the two warring armies are preparing themselves, and Arjuna awakes to the significance of the task that he's about to take on and because he, he's looking out, and he sees his nemesis, right? The prince who has usurped the throne who is also his cousin. And in the ranks of the enemies, he he sees so many members of his family and his friends and his teachers who've chosen that side of the conflict. And, And Arjuna is gripped with despair. If he does not go into battle, then he denies his brother, who is the rightful heir to the throne. And he doesn't do his duty. But if he does go into battle... It means killing his kin, right, his, his family. Like, and then he says, you know, if you have to kill your family, what, 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 what good is a kingdom? And he sees these fathers and husbands and grandfathers and children, and he just sits down in his chariot, 
refusing to go any further, refusing to do anything. And Krishna looks at him and he says, that's not really a choice, right? Non-action is still an action, but it's the worst kind of action. It's it's a a self-denial. It's the denying purpose and calling. And as with all sort of great spiritual texts, there are multiple ways of reading the Gita. There's multiple levels of of meaning and interpretation. But for the purpose of this sermon, we're going to talk about this one stream of thought that is running through the epic, and that's concerned with the idea of duty, right? Now, in the Bhagavad Gita, they use the word dharma, uh, which, you know, for better or worse, is often just translated as duty. But it's it's really more than that. It's it's like your calling. If you have dharma, it, it's your gr- the great work of your life. And so the great lesson of the Bhagavad Gita is in recognizing, I know, get ready, Americans, that you're not really free to choose in this world that you have something in you that is propelling you forward, that is calling you forward. And if you have dharma, there is a great work that you've been called to. So now we've get, we're at the first part of our interactivity, right? Everybody's got paper. Everybody's got something to write with. Great. So we're going to explore this idea of dharma, of calling, but by doing, but here's what we're going to do first. I want you to imagine having a superpower. Now, we've all fantasized about having superpowers. Some of them we're proud of. Some of them maybe not so proud of, right? But we've all fantasized about having them. Maybe we talk to animals. Maybe we uh, compel the Supreme Court to do what we want. Uh, maybe you bring more kindness into the world. But we've all had a recurring fantasy. I'll get us started. Like, mine is that I'm able to walk into a library, and by osmosis, I absorb all of the books, and I'm able to categorize them so I don't get lost, and I never forget what I read. As superhero powers go, it's pretty nerdy, but... Uh, I don't know why I fantasize about that, but that's the one I have. So just for a minute, close your eyes and just get in touch with the superpower that you fantasize about. There's something that recurs to you over and over again that's like, you know, this is the fantasy I have. And once you know what that superpower is, I'd like you to take a minute to draw it on the piece of paper that you were given this morning. Now, it doesn't have to be a work of art, but add in some details that that show how your superpower is working. You, You can wear a cape. You don't have to wear a cape. My superpower does not require me to wear a cape. It just has me walking through books like this. Uh... So just draw yourself as a superhero exercising this particular superpower, and I'll bring us back with the bell. I'll give you one minute to do it. So if you've drawn something, it doesn't have to be totally complete yet, but you can turn to your neighbor, uh, groups of two or three, 
and just share briefly uh, what your superpower is with them. If you have a name, fantastic. If you don't have a name, it, you'd, I don't have a name for mine. I don't even know what mine would be called yet. But uh, just be brief, because we're going to move on to the next part of the sermon in just a second. But groups of two or three, why don't you tell them what your superpower is? All right. So let's slide back into the Bhagavad Gita just for a second. Let's slide back in. So we're, we're with Arjuna, we're with Krishna, we're in the chariot, and we're looking out over the battlefield. And what, the, what we as readers know, right, is that the battlefield really is a metaphor. It's a metaphor. So we can put down the sort of literal ethics about going into war and, and killing people, and we see it for what Krishna is trying to tell us through his conversation with Arjuna, and that is that our lives are a great battle. This, this metaphorical battlefield is happening inside of us, right? And it, our lives there is this, this fight that we have to go through, and we have to decide if we will commit to our purpose, our, the great work that we have been called to in life, or not. And it's, it's like there's a war that's going on in, inside of each of us, and we, and we don't know what to do, because if we really do commit to following the great work of our life, then it also means killing off some of those ideas that we kind of like, but they don't actually fit into the purpose of our lives. And, and we, we, they might entertain us. We, we might be really good at them. We might, they might be so dear to us that they're practically our children, but ultimately, if we do not kill them off, they will bog our lives down and leave us without resolution, clarity, satisfaction, fulfillment. You know? And Arjuna does not want to make a choice. He wants it all, but there's no way to have it all, so he just decides not to do anything. He just sits down, but this means he doesn't get anything, right? And again, my own life, some of you know this. When I was starting out as a minister in Queens, I had actually moved to the city because I was not sure if I wanted to be an artist or a minister. I was... And so I, I actually, I had a church that was part-time, so I was doing both, right? And I was, I had half my time I was in my studio, half the time I was working for this church. And what happened is uh, the church started to grow, and it needed more attention. And my artwork started showing up in blogs and getting more attention. People were coming to shows. So that needed more attention. And I had to make a choice because I could not do both professionally. Was I going to be an artist professionally, or was I going to be a minister professionally? And having to make a choice about what we are called to do really does not fit into this narrative that we often are told that we can do anything, that we can have it all. And I think much of this sort of uh, perspective is a little bit culturally bound in the United States, that... Uh, you know, historically, we've been running away from this predetermined, uh, you know, your father did this, so now you do this, or your mother did, you know. 
And so we, we sort of had this reactive stance of, like, you can do anything here. But what Krishna is trying to say is that that ultimately doesn't really work. You really have to commit and decide to do something. And if you're true to yourself, honestly, you don't have a real choice, right? There is something in you that is fulfilling. And if you want to be realized as a human being, then this is where your duty unfolds. Now, Arjuna is the metaphor for the warrior who is living in each of us, who must decide to fight for our dharma for the great works of our lives. And understanding what you are called to is really about understanding the sacredness of who you are. You know, because we exist also within a larger field of dharma. It means that that for me, for this world to be in a good place, I have to live into my place, but also Catherine has to live into hers, and Will has to live into his. And we, it is important for all of us to be living into who we are supposed to be. Otherwise, we end up with a lot of anxiety in our world. We end up with a world that is, that is non-functioning because people are not living into what they are called to be. So when Arjuna collapses in his chariot because he's faced with a choice he does not want to make, Krishna is not very sympathetic, right? And he does this out of compassion because when a person is not following what they're supposed to be doing, we, we know what happens. They flounder, they flail, they vacillate, they complain, they suffer. And we see this happening all around us. People who are avoiding what they have been called to do with their lives what they've been chosen, the sacred role they've been chosen for. And there is a substitution that happens. And this is where we see greed and not caring happening in the world. Because there's a way that we're just trying to avoid what it is that we've been called to. And Krishna is harsh, but he's, he's doing it out of compassion because he wants us to have a happy, healthy life to know that we are interwoven and that what I do with my life impacts what happens in your life, right? So to get to our second activity, I want you to just, again, close your eyes and you're gonna have a conversation with your superhero who is actually you, right? Some dimension of you, some part of you, it's not all of you, but it's, some, it's representative of your calling. It may not be the fullness of your calling, but it's, it's an avatar. And again, I'll, I'll put myself out there. I, when I was writing this, I was like, okay, I'm going to have a conversation with my superhero. And this is what my superhero said. Ian, I don't love it when you play that match game on your phone. You spend way too much time matching little pictures and collecting imaginary gems and watching stupid ads to get more lightning bolts so you can match more pictures. You've spent hours on this game. And I understand that you're stressed and struggling with your stress, but I'm not sure this really helps you. And it's not getting you any closer to what you love, which is helping other people feel excited about their lives. 
being the best ever at this little match game is not your dharma. It's not what you're called to do with your life. So what would actually make you happy and excited to do what you love to do? So that's the conversation when I sat down. That's what I heard. So let's just close your eyes. You've got this superhero. Just have a short conversation in your head. You don't have to speak it out loud. But just have a short conversation in your head, listening mostly to your superhero. What do they have to say about the mission that you both share? We'll just take a moment in silence and let that come. Listen to what your superhero is saying. So again, let's turn to our partner, the people in your group, and tell them about the conversation you just had with your superhero. You don't have to tell them all the details, just tell them the stuff that feels comfortable telling them. But tell them what it was like to, to listen to what is coming up from within. It can be can be anything. So go ahead, you're gonna have a couple minutes to do this. All right, let's come back together. We'll let you finish that conversation a little later. So when I make a decision, when I make a decision, and I wanna, I use that word intentionally, when I make a decision to work with the congregation to help them, you, in this case, I think about, you know, what are we doing? Like, who do you want to be, right? I often think about our time together as a sacred journey that we're taking, you know, where we begin kind of in a, in a valley, and we know that our destination is somewhere over there, over the mountains on the horizon, right? We are traveling together. It's like a pilgrimage, Right? And we don't exactly know where we're going to end up. We just know that we're on a journey together. Right? And some aspects of this journey will probably include some physical acts of traveling, like, just like a pilgrimage. But most of it will be sort of the movement of the heart and spirit. And where hearts and spirit, where your hearts and spirits are today, where mine is today, is not where our hearts and spirits will be when we get to the end of our journey together. We will be changed beings. Not every pilgrimage means that you sort of walk on your hands and knees to a great shrine or holy place. Some of these are actually really small, perhaps even imperceptible to others, but some are large, so large actually that we, we don't see what has happened to us until you know, we come to the end of our life. But even those pilgrimages right, are, are more than meditation and prayer. They require decisions and actions. There is a great pilgrimage, a ridgeline along which your body has been moving, following the call of your dharma your entire life. It's actually, it's brought you here. That is part of what has brought you here. And it marches along sometimes purposefully and with clarity and determination, and sometimes it's mired in confusion uh, and doubt. Uh, and it may seem like there's no purpose to it all. Sometimes, you know, I, myself included, I wonder if there's anything there. 
But the pilgrimage that you walk following your dharma is, is a response to the urgency that each of us feels in our own way to the world around us. There is something about you that you feel differently than others, right? There is something that, that tears at your heart in a way that, that others don't see. Others walk right by it. They make no notice of it. You cannot walk by it. You walk towards it. That is part of this calling that you have. There is a particular urgency, a particular urgency for the heartbreak of the world that makes us, makes you pay attention. And it's why we act on it. Right? It's, it's where we volunteer. It's, it's how, we, you know, how we show up in the world. And it doesn't mean that we're all made to end hunger or clean an ocean, but there is, as Stephen Cope has said, a, a little corner of the world for each of us. There is a little corner for each of us to transform, to save. And I want to respect this moment, right? Because a lot of people get to this point and they stop because when they think about what is mine to transform in the world, it can feel overwhelming, right? And we, and we run to idea, an idea and sometimes it feels so massive we just stop and we don't know where to begin. Or worse, there's a voice that sometimes comes to our minds and, and whispers that we're going to fail or that we're too old or we don't have the right skills and, or you know, we're just not up to the task. And the voice of no sits us back down on the couch or, or causes us to pull up another game of Candy Crush. And, <clears throat> right? and it simply finds a way to tell us how silly that idea is. But here is where the second teaching from the Bhagavad Gita comes in, and it's even more important than the first. It's even more important than the first. People are attached to outcomes. People are attached to outcomes. Will I be successful? Will I fail? And this gets in the way of actually following, following what is in our hearts, right? People don't want to decide, decide, make a decision, because they don't know if they will succeed, right? The root of the word decide means to cut off. In every decision, just as we are choosing something, we are choosing away from so many things. And the idea that we have a sacred purpose and that fulfillment needs, means we got to follow it, it also means we have to decide not to do all of these other things, not to follow all of these other paths, and it's intimidating. It's really frightening. And we can be plagued by the questions of like, what if I'm wrong? What if I choose wrong? And there are people who sit for lifetimes at a crossroads because they don't want to choose. And just like Arjuna, they, they lie down in the road refusing to move, and somehow the decision to squat, they think, will resolve the anxiety. But we all know that it doesn't. We've all been there in some form or another. And often we can see it in others better than we can see it in ourselves. But we know what it feels like. And Krishna looks at Arjuna and he says, don't worry about the outcome. Don't worry about the outcome. Success or failure is not the purpose of our dharma. It is better to fail at your own dharma 
Krishna says, than to succeed at someone else's. Right? Better to fail at your own dharma than to succeed at someone else's. Your task is to bring as much life force as you can muster to the execution of your dharma. Now, had I never made the choice, right? Had I tried to do art professionally and ministry professionally, I would not be here, right? I would not, but I also would not be a professional artist because they both required all of my time. Do I, does that mean that I think about what my life would be like if I had chosen to be a professional artist? Of course I do. Of course I do. But I made a decision, and it was a good one, and I love what I do most of the time. <laughs> no, I love what I do, right? It's a gift, and I'm following my calling, and it doesn't matter whether I am the best-known minister or the, whatever the best minister means, because that's not what the goal is. The goal for me is to help other people get excited about their lives. Are there people who do it better than me? Yes, of course there are people who do it better than me. That's not, I'm not worried about that, right? Are there people who do it worse? Yeah, there are people who do it worse too. But what I care about is doing it to the best of my ability. That's what's important. It's not the outcome. And this is true of communities as well. Congregations also have dharma. This congregation has dharma. Who is the Mount Vernon Unitarian Church meant to be? Are we a shelter for those who are living in the shadow of Christianity? Right? And then we get to come in here and be like, oh, those bad Christian evangelicals, wah, wah, wah. Right? And this is a place where we get to complain about them? Or are we here cultivating a spiritual vision of our own, independent of them? Are we a sanctuary from the political masters who are plundering the earth and gerrymandering the districts and, and we just bond over our disgust over their malfeasance? I mean, it feels pretty good sometimes. But that's not our dharma. I believe that we have a message of liberation to share with the world that requires us to leave the safety of this sanctuary and do the hard work of changing minds and hearts. That's a dharma. That's a calling. So now we've arrived at activity three. Oh. <laughs> he knows where this is going. We need to form some superhero councils. Right? So these need to be at least five people. Now, so bigger than the group that you were just in, right? No larger than eight. So a group that is larger, and you're going to have to work a little fast, right? So the first step is to explain to the other people in your superhero council what your superpower is, right? Five or six words, not like the whole thing. It's not sentences, words. If you have a name, you can share that too. And then, when everybody has shared what their superpower is, you need to come up, the council needs to come up with a mission that includes all of the strengths and the abilities. 
This might mean that your mission, the one that you create, isn't the one that you are so personally passionate about, right? Glenn wants to, you know, save all of the frogs. I don't know what your thing is, but... Uh, instead, he's going to compromise and save all of the llamas, you know, because that's what the council will work. So it's, it's, it's something that allows you to live into your calling. Everyone must be included. Everyone's superpower must be included. But it's a group mission, a council mission. So form your councils, and I'll give you a few minutes to f- work together on finding a mission. We all have a great work that has been laid down before us by the divine. I really believe this, that there is something that is calling through us, that is moving through us, that is, that is about fulfillment and safety and purpose, right? And we can choose to do it or we can choose not to do it. No one is forced to do it. No one is forced to do their calling. But there is often suffering that we experience when we... When we choose a way uh, because really it's what makes us feel good about the world, right? The great work of our life does not mean money or fame or power. It means becoming who you are meant to be, including this congregation. It is about, it's not a most famous UU congregation. It's about becoming what this one is meant to be. Offer your dharma as a gift. Let it witness to the sacred task that you have been chosen to perform. Prayer and meditation are part of this, but you must also act. You must also make a decision. You must walk the sacred journey of your calling, both as individuals and as a community. And please know that the decision that I made is that I will walk with you, that together we will walk each of these steps as we journey over that mountain. Amen. Thank you for coming today. Thank you for listening. This sermon is part of the series called What Would You Rather Be Wrong About? where we lean into the need to embrace uncertainty and risk because we are not outcome-oriented. We do this work without any guarantee of success In our free online community, we've taken short clips to highlight passages from the sermon to help you explore and reflect on what these ideas might mean for you. You can join the conversation at community.mvuc.org. It's a safe place to connect and reflect with other spiritual seekers like you. It's free to join, and you will also find a variety of other resources designed to help you cultivate the great work of your life. Again, that's community.mvuc.org. You may have heard other podcasts asking for a rating and review, which we certainly would welcome. It does help people find us. But we believe the best way to reach more people is through word of mouth. If what you heard resonated with your life and your values please forward this episode to a friend you think might be helped by the message. We're all in this together, and it's up to each of us to stay connected in this increasingly isolated world. It's a common misconception that awakening or salvation is an individual affair. The truth is, 
We are interwoven, physically and spiritually. My joy and safety is connected to your joy and safety. It is only by coming together that we will awaken and love the hell out of this world. If you're local to Alexandria, Virginia, or if you're just visiting the area, please join us on Sunday. We offer so much more than just a sermon. It's a full-body experience. You can find more information on how to visit the Mount Vernon Unitarian Church at mvuc.org. Again, thank you for listening. Please join us again soon.